Hallelujah. Well, God's presence is in the house, and um, the Bible says in Psalm 51, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit or a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. And that was a, uh, that was a prayer, really, of King David. Uh, uh, if you know the story of King David, I shared this last week, but when he had fell into to sin with Bathsheba, um, the prophet Nathan had confronted him with his sin, and this is the prayer that was created that he prayed out of his, out of his repentance and his brokenness and his contrite heart before the Lord. And um, so today, I'm, this is going to conclude this series. It's a three-week series that we did called Lord Change Me. And, um, you know, when we think about the Lord changing us, and, you know, I thought about this, you know, when we, when we come to church and, you know, sometimes, and Lee, Lee says this a lot, you know, on Sunday mornings when, we, when, he, when he comes up, that sometimes it can just be like a, you check a box. You know, like we just, okay, Sunday's here. You know, I, I go to church on Sundays. And in a way, that's not a bad thing because you came to church. You know, we, we, we came here. But, but really, if all we did was just come to church just to come to church and walk out the door and never allow God to change us, what, what have we accomplished? I mean, we, we worship God, and that's a huge component of what we do, and that's, that's like probably the, the biggest thing that we do. But I think the other part is we want to come, hopefully, with God, with opening ourselves up so God can change us, you know. So, so just think about that for a moment when you come here. Um, you know, and I, even me, I mean, I want God to speak to me. You know, if I'm speaking or the, the, the Holy Spirit's moving in the room, the worship is playing or whatever, you know, God, bring me a revelation because I know that I'm never at a place where God can't do something different, do something more in me. I've, I've never, we, I don't care how old you get in the Lord, you've never arrived. So when we say, Lord, change me, it's more than just I'm coming to church. You're here, but you want to be different. I want to, I want to, God, show me something, and this message today is going to be something that hopefully will be, you know, a a compelling message that it really moves us to want to change. And really, the Word of God, you can't read the Word of God and not, and and, and at least not obey it and be the same. It's going to change you, and and that's what the Word of God is for. So um, David prayed this prayer before God to remove his desire to sin, and, you know, we too must pray and ask God to change us and to stay before God with a broken and contrite spirit, allowing him to reveal, you know, any offensive way in us. If there's anything that's in us, you know, we don't like when it's revealed to us. We don't like when someone points something out that's not right. But if God does it, it's for our benefit. It's like the Holy Spirit's leading us into a, into, into a blessing and, and, and to a benefit for us. So... But this um, series was the three areas that we had focused on um, when we did our fast in the beginning of the year. I just, there's three areas that I, I felt the Lord was impressing on me to press in for, and I, and I kind of brought that before the church as a way to really maybe use these three areas of focus, you know, as we're fasting. And the, the first one was compassion for the lost, and we, we did the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan, and, and, and we discovered that compassion, uh, when we think of compassion for someone, it's not just feeling sorry for someone. It's not an emotion. Compassion is not emotional. We all can feel sorry for people, 
But compassion is taking the next step and acting. It's, it's action. You know, what can I do to, to step in and help that person? And, of course, that was the, the Good Samaritan. And then, then, then last week we did the message on hunger for passion and zeal, and we discovered the Old Testament um, King Josiah. And, and remember, he, he had a wicked father, a wicked grandfather. He had no godly upbringing. But God somehow got planted within, within Josiah a spirit and a hunger, and if you remember, they were repairing the temple, and the Bible says when they were re repairing the temple, they, they found a book. <laughs> it was packed with dust, probably buried beneath the rubble or whatever. They dusted off the book, and they brought it to the king, and he didn't just, you know, make light of it. He opened up the book. They, he wanted him to read the book, and then he tore his robes, the Bible says, and he, he wept before God, and it says, you know, we need to turn to God and find out what it is, what it is written in this book and do everything that God has commanded us to do. He had a zeal. He had a, he had a passion for God. And I prayed that last week, you know, mainly for the young people we were praying, but really, you know, for all of us that we would burn, you know, with a, with a hunger and zeal. A, you know, I, I believe God wants to plant within us a, a Josiah spirit, that, you know, that passion, you know. And like I said, he was in the middle of, you know, uh, in the middle of rebellion and wickedness. To, to, uh, the Israelites were not hungering and going after God. Yet in the middle of that, Josiah said he was, he was still hungry and, and passionate for God. Amen. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And today's message I titled, Holy and Pleasing to God. Holy and Pleasing to God. The third area I wanted to concentrate on in the, in the fast was was, a, was, was God to give me a hunger and desire for holiness. And, um, and that's what we're going to look at today. And, you know, if you think about it, the battle to live holy in an ungodly world has and will continue to rage. In other words, there's always going to be a conflict and a battle for you and I to live. Now, when we look at holiness, we're going we're to look at it according to what the Word of God says, not from the lens through religion, but what does God say? And when we seek to really live the, the, the biblical way that, that, that the Bible instructs us to live as Christians, there's going to be a battle. There's going to be a rage. I've told you all that on, on numerous occasions. There's going to be that. So, um, and I do not believe, and I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, living for God, you know, living for God today is more difficult than, it, than it's ever been before. I disagree with that. And the Bible pro pro proves that so. And, and you think, some people might say, well, you know, it's more difficult to live for God now than it was in, in biblical times. That's false. You've got to read the Bible and read what was there. I'm going to give an example to that. But the Old Testament in particular is filled with acts of ungodliness and immorality that would equal what we are experiencing today, or rival what we're experiencing today. There was wickedness. That, that, that what God, God destroyed... God destroyed the whole earth because of sin. The only family that survived was Noah and his family. How, how wicked must the sin have been for God to destroy every single person that he created? It had, it had, to, be, it, it had to be extremely wicked. But y'all know that in Genesis, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and you, the Bible says that the, that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah had grieved the Lord so much. It said that the sin, had, had re, the, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah had reached heaven, the Bible says, and it had grieved God so much that the Bible says, God says, I'm going to go down and see if what has grieved me is really true. It was really happening. Remember, God sent the two, 
the two angels, they had went to Abraham, then they had told Abraham that we're going to go, we're going to go to Sodom. And remember, Abraham's nephew Lot had moved in that area. He had, that, that's the region that he had moved to, and he was actually living in, in Sodom, the Bible says. And look what the Bible says when the when the two, the two angels had approached Sodom, and, and the Bible says that Lot was at the gate, and they were, the, the angels were just going to stay at the gate, but Lot insisted that they come stay at his house. He, he was insistent, and the Bible says they agreed, and they said, we're, we're going to come stay. This is in verse 3 in, in Genesis 19. It says, but he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and enters his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. That's in the book of Genesis. I don't think that's as wicked today as it it was back then in Genesis. That 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 was perversion. That was wickedness that they would live. So homosexuality, we think, well, homosexuality is a new thing. It's, it's a new thing maybe in the sense that homosexuality is trying to get the world to accept it as a normal behavior. But as far as homosexuality itself being, it ain't new. It's all in the Bible. It, it, it was there. Homosexuality was prevalent in the Bible. Child sacrifice was prevalent in the Bible. The, the, there, was, there was mothers and, and fathers were sacrificing their children to the God of Molech. That's abortion. So, yes, we're experiencing wickedness and, and evil today, but if you read the Bible, it was just as wicked, if not more so, in, 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 in biblical times. And then prostitution was prevalent in the Bible. Temple prostitutes, it says, some Canaanites worship by going to their temples and having sex with prostitutes that represented their gods. So, so there, was, there was evilness, there was wickedness. So the, the devil might try to um, tempt us as Christians to get us to think, well, you know, this God thing and all this holy living and all that kind of stuff, you really can't live that way today because it's too difficult. I'll reject that. It's no more difficult now than it was then. So that's a lie from the devil. There's never an excuse. There's never an excuse to say, I can't do what God is has called us to do. And, and the, Bible, the Bible shows that. So God's call to live holy has not evolved. We are called to live pleasing unto God whatever the ungodly surroundings look like. Words, it doesn't matter what circumstance God has placed you in, we are called to live holy unto God. So I believe in the midst of ungodliness, the Lord will raise up a righteous standard. I believe that with all my heart. That, that, that sometimes as the wickedness grows darker and, and it becomes more, it, it becomes deeper, that in the middle of that, God will raise up a righteous standard. That's his church. That, that's his church. And I, I want to be that. I want to be that bearer. No matter how difficult it is, that I want to be part of the righteous standard that God, that, God is raising, that God is raising up. See, there will always be a remnant that stands for godliness. God will always leave a remnant, a, a, a real remnant of, that represents the church, the, the real church, not a religious remnant, the, the, a remnant that is Christ-like. I believe this church is a remnant church. That was prophesied over us by uh, Pastor Joe Warner. He, 
He, he, he prophesied that, 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 that this was a remnant church. I received that in Jesus' name. We, we might not have all the bells and the whistles and the flare and all that kind of stuff some of the other churches have, but we are going to adhere and speak and preach the truth of what the Word of God says. We're not ashamed of what the Word of God says. We're not, we're not, um, we're not tearing some of the pages out, and, and, and that's, we're going to speak the truth of what the Word of God says. And, and I believe God, God honors that. And um, so God is looking for men and women to speak and live boldly the Word of God. That, that's what he's raising up in, in, in this generation. So I believe God is calling us back to living holy and righteous before him in 2022. There's a call of God back to his church and back to his people to come back to holiness. And, and Brother Rod Agaloid, and I've shared this with, with the church, he's, he's, um, he's not pastoring anymore, but he's with his son Stephen at Lifehouse Church in Reserve, and he's still real involved in ministry. I, you know, I told him that. I said, Brother Rod, I want to be like you. I think he's 80, I don't know, what is he, 81 or 82? He's in his 80s. He doesn't look like he's in his 80s. He doesn't act like he's in his 80s. And he's, he's still imparting. Brother Rod is still, he's still imparting to the church. He's still speaking to pastors, and he meets with pastors. And one of the things that kind of came out last time we met, and a lot of pastors' hearts, it just felt like God was just welling inside of them, just a desire just to shun sin and to, and to, come, to, to, to come apart. And I believe that's a call that God, God is calling his church back you know, back to holiness. So when we look at holiness, and I'm going to kind of break this down for us this morning, and you know, you know, I believe when I'm preaching, hopefully when I'm preaching on anything, I want it to come across practical. In other words, it needs to be instructional, it needs to be informative, but it also needs to have an element of, of it needs to be practical. You know, you need to be able to say, um, I can apply that to my life. I, I can take that truth of what the Word of God says, and I can apply that to my life. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I want that. I want to I be able to walk away. So hopefully this, this subject of holiness um, will come across in a, in a practical way that, that we can latch on to that. But let's just look at some of the scriptures in the Bible that talk about, about holiness. And there's, there's a ton of them in the Bible in Leviticus chapter 20, it says, You are to be holy to me, because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. Then First Peter says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. And then in 1 Samuel, it says, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. And we sing that song. That's one of the songs that we sing that has that, that scripture verse in it. So I want to kind of approach this with, by answering some questions about, about holiness. And, you know, the first one is this, is what, what does the word holy mean? What does the word holy mean? Um, the Greek word for holy is um, hagias, which means pure, morally blameless, or set apart, as in set apart, for holy use. Now, when we look at the word holy, it's important for us to understand that God is holy. In other words, and, and I've said this before, but there's, there's certain things about God's nature that, that is who he is. Like the Bible says, God is love. In other words, God is love. So when we say God is holy, God, no one ever taught holiness to God. God never had to learn to be holy. God never had to be trained to be holy. 
God's very nature, the, the very nature in who he is, he is holy. He, 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 is, he is completely separated from any wickedness, from any sin, from any ungodliness. He, he is never capable of sinning, never capable of wickedness. He is pure in, in the purest sense of the word pure is God, God is. God is perfect and blameless and holy. That's who he is. But you and I, on the other hand, we, we are not, we're not holy. We're, we're, we're ungodly. We're wicked. We're, the, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. We're, we, we, are, we are ungodly and we, we are wicked by nature. So the Bible tells us in those scriptures that we just read, the Bible says, be holy as I am holy. In other words, it's not saying God be holy. God is holy. But what does it say? You and I be holy. Why? Because I am holy. In other words, so holiness is something you and I have to, we have to do. And we're going we're gonna to look, look at this. But when we look at that description, the key phrase in, the, in understanding holiness is being set apart. And I did a word study on this, uh, on holiness, and one of the things that was emphasized in the, in the description of the word holy was being different. In other words, you're, you're set apart, but you're also, you're different. And if you think about that, that's us as Christians in the world. We're, we're surrounded by ungodliness. We're, we're surrounded by wickedness. We're, we're surrounded by sin and all these different things. Yet God is, is calling you and I to be different, to be, to be set apart. Do you follow what I'm saying? We, we separate ourselves. There's a, there's a separation. Now, we're diving into things that are, that are, that are, that are t- teaching us who we are as Christians. Y'all understand this. It's, this is who you are as a believer, what God has called us to be. And what does the Bible say? It says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world, to abstain from the central urges, the, the, those dishonorable desires that wage war against the soul. The Bible says we are strangers and aliens. Right. If you live your life according to what the Word of God says, you're going to be strange. Right. You're going to look like an alien. You're going to look like you, like you literally landed here from Mars. You, you, but that's what God has called us to be. We're, we're different. We're, we're peculiar. We're, we're, we're set apart Unto God. Do y'all, un- y'all understand that? This is, this is so important for us to get this. The Bible says, um, you know, come out from among them, says the Lord, and touch no, no unclean thing, and I will receive you, says the Lord. Come out from among them. Come out from what? Come out from the ungodliness of the world. Come out from the wickedness and the sin of the world. Touch no unclean thing. God, God is calling us unto holiness. So holiness is, by definition, separating ourselves from the world and living holy and pleasing unto God. It's a separation. It's a departing. It's a, it's a moving away from sin. Okay? That, 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 that's what, what holiness is. But, see, the problem is most Christians are not set apart. We are living and acting as the world does, but calling ourselves Christians. That, 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 that's not a Christian that's not Christianity. That's what Brother Carl says. That's religiosity. That, that's what the Bible says. It's having, a, having what? Having a form of godliness, but what? Denying the power. What's the power? The power is the power of the Holy Spirit to change the way I live. It's a form. You have the form, but you, you, you're, not willing to, you're not willing to receive the power 
that changes the way you live. So, so all of that is, is um, that's, just, that's just religion. It's having a form without the power. But God has always called his people to set themselves apart and live for him. That's what God is calling us to do. So, so we have to answer these questions as believers. Are you different than the people you work with? Do you stand out? Are you different? That, that should be a noticeable, that should be something that's noticeably different about you. Are you different than the people you go to school with? Are, are you different? Um, holiness is not going to church. Sitting in this church every Sunday morning is not going to make you holy. It's a good thing. We, we need to be here. The Bible says don't forsake the assembly of ourselves. We, we come together, but you cannot walk out of here on a Sunday morning and pat yourself on the back and say, I'm pretty holy. I went to church today. It doesn't work like that. Okay, huh? It, it can't. It doesn't work right. I'm sorry. I'm going to come my hands on you after church. I'm going to come pray for you. <laughs> so God is always calling us to be, set, to be set apart. So if you are not living set apart, you are not living holy. So, so what is the standard of holiness? That's the next question we need to answer. See, religion is not the standard. People are living for God according to the standard of their religion. And, and there's a lot of people who do this. They'll, they'll join a church, uh, they'll join a denomination, and their standard for, for the way they live in holiness unto God is based on what their denomination is telling them. And that is dangerous even in a church like ours or in a church that we say is a, is, a, is a Christian teaching church, the reason why that's so dangerous is that church or that pastor or those leaders, they may not be giving the example in their, in their lives of holiness according to what the Bible says. So as a Christian, especially as a young Christian, you can look, at, you can look up to someone and can say, well, you know, I, I respect that person, I honor that person, they're, they're a Christian I'm going to follow after them, but they might not be living according to what the Word of God says. You see what I'm saying? So um, when you think of religions and we say, okay, religion's going to be the standard, well, who's right? Are the Baptists right? Are the Catholics right? Are the Lutherans right? The Assembly of God's right? Which, which, one, is, which one is right? Because all of them have something different. Some religions condone polygamy. There's some churches that actually call themselves religious that condone the, the practice of polygamy. Some religions are ordaining homosexual ministers. They're, they're actually, they call themselves a church. They claim, I don't know how they do this, they claim that this is what they use for instruction and this is their, what they teach from, but somehow they found a way to justify the, a way to ordain a homosexual to minister. That's not in here. See, that's not the standard. You see what I'm saying? So as, as believers, and God showed me this as a young Christian, and, and, and I was in a godly church. I was in a Baptist church. It was a, it was a godly environment. But God showed me, don't let your standard be what other men or other women, the way they live. Let your standard be what the Word of God says. Okay, that, that, that's our standard. So, see, these when we think of religions, these religious beliefs or an attempt to redefine the Word of God according to the evolution of morality in society. 
That, in other words, they're, they're trying what, what the church is trying to do, or some other religion is trying to do, they're trying to they're trying to to to, to, to e- make the word evolve to fit what society's doing. God doesn't work that way. God doesn't evolve. Holiness doesn't evolve. In other words, God, God's word has not changed. We're not evolving here. The tabernacle church is not going to evolve. We're, we, we might be more creative in our, in our presentation. We, we can present the gospel in creative ways. We can deliver the gospel in different ways, but the message will never change. We're not evolving. God doesn't evolve. I, I, don't, I don't even think that word evolution is even, <laughs> it's even in the Bible. We, God, God doesn't evolve. He's the same, the, the, the Lord says. He, he doesn't change. So, so the Bible is the standard. The word of God is our standard for holiness. Not just parts of the Bible, every word, every page, every book, every teaching is the standard. Jesus is the standard. Amen. Jesus is our standard. And, and Jesus, not just the words that he spoke, but the way he lived. His life, his, his life was the standard for, for holiness. So um, Ephesians 5.3 says, But among you there must, not even, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Now look at that standard. Paul says there must not even be a hint. In other words, not even a rumor, not even a suggestion. That's the standard that God God sets before us. So I'm not your standard. Um, Your favorite Christian author is not your standard. Your favorite guy you like to maybe watch, you know, TV guy, preacher, or maybe people you all follow with blogs or whatever, guys that you really kind of like, that's fine. They're not your standard. The Word of God is your standard. Amen. Jesus is your standard. Don't, don't ever, and I'm telling you, this is easy to do, especially on side. We gravitate to people. We, 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 we are enamored by their personality. We, we are enamored by the way they come across and their teachings and all, and that's all fine. But that can never disconnect us or take us away from what the Word of God says. The Bible is your standard. Go, go to the Bible. The, the, the Bible is, all, is always your standard. So, what we are called to do as Christians is open up the Bible and discover what the standard is and live accordingly. That's what we're called to do. It's not complicated. <laughs> if you think about it, we make it complicated, but it's not. God has given us the standard for holiness. It's in his word, and we, we just follow that. So Psalms 119.9 says, How can a young man uh, keep his way pure? By keeping watch on himself according to your word, conforming his life to your precepts. That, that, that's how a young man keeps his way pure, is what? Living according to what the word of God says. That's how you and I stay, stay set apart. So what is the blueprint for living holy? Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 says, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now, sanctified, uh, the word sanctification is a, it's a fancy-sounding word, but it's really not as complicated as it sounds. Sanctification, um, or in its verb form, sanctified, literally means to set apart for special use or purpose. That is, to make holy or sacred. Therefore, sanctification refers to the state or process of being set apart. 
made holy as a vessel full of the Holy Spirit of God. So when we think of sanctification and, 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 and we look at the word sanctify, for you and I as Christians, we, we, are, we are sanctified in the sense that the blood of Jesus, just what we took this morning with, the, with communion, the blood of Jesus has sanctified us unto God. In other words, what does the Bible say? God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that what? That we, that we might become the righteousness of, of God. We are made righteous or we are sanctified because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We, we are in right standing with God, not because of anything we did, any good in us, because of Christ. Okay, so, so there's, a, there's a position. There's a position of sanctifica sanctification. Um, our position is because of Christ, not because of David, but because of the blood of Jesus, I am in a position where I am right before God. But then there's also the process of sanctification. And that process of sanctification is where you and I allow the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to change us, to mature us, to, 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 to cut us, to, to, to conform us into the image to become like Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you, that process of sanctification is a lifelong process. It, 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 it begins literally the day you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and it's not going to end to either Jesus comes or you die. We, we are in a constant state of, of, of if, if we allow the Holy Spirit to do so, we are in a constant state of sanctification. Does that make sense? And so you have to, we have to place ourselves, in other words, I have to willingly place myself before God, before his word, and before the Holy Spirit, and say what? God, sanctify me. You see, what's the Holy Spirit going to do? He's going to reveal sin. Not to condemn us. God's not condemning us. He's to conform us, to bless us, to, 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 keep, to keep us uh, to walking on a straight and narrow road. So when the Holy Spirit comes, and he's, I know he speaks to me all the time. If you're, if you're saved, he's speaking to you. Every, everything you look at, every decision you make, every word you speak, that, that, that voice should be coming right there. What, what do we have to do? I have to obey. That's sanctification. Say, I'm obeying. See, what, what does James say? If you just read the word, but, and you, you close the word, and you don't do anything, what, it, it doesn't matter. What does it say? Don't just be a hearer, be a doer. Amen. That's sanctification. You, you see what I'm saying? So, so that, that's important for us to understand. It's a, it's a, life, it's a, it's a lifelong process that we, um, that, that, that we follow, that, that we, we surrender ourselves to, to that process. So um, when we think of, um, uh, you know, what is the blueprint for living holy? So sanctification is the first one. The next thing is no compromise. There's no compromise. And, you know, the path to living ungodly begins with a little compromise. Now, you think about that, and you, you may have experienced that in your walk as a Christian. Um, but immorality, you know, pornography, movies, Internet, all of those things begin with just a little compromise. You know, and all of a sudden, it's something that it's, it's, it's got you. You know, it's, it's, it's gripping you. So, you know, we cannot pick and choose, you know, what parts of the Bible to obey and what parts of the Bible we're not going to obey. Um, king Saul, remember, King Saul was the first king um, in, in, in Israel, Saul's demise began with compromise. What did he compromise? He compromised obedience. He wasn't fully obedient unto God 
And if you read the story of, of Saul before, before him and his son Jonathan were killed, Saul was seeking sorcerers. He was seeking to go before the ungodly sorcerer to get direction instead of going to God. But his, his, his demise began because he started with disobedience. He wasn't willing to obey fully the word of God. And then King Solomon, as awesome as King Solomon was, if you read the story of King Solomon toward the end of his life, what did he do? He began to marry ungodly women, women, women that were ungodly. He began to compromise the, the, the word of God. And then Adam and Eve compromised God's word. The devil tempted them and said, what did, what did the devil say? Did God really say? Well, yeah, God did say. But see, he was, he was, he was deceived. Did God really say? Well, you know, then, then it, okay, I'm, I'm a compromise. Maybe God, maybe God really never said you will surely die. You see, it starts, it starts with a little compromise. So um, you must make the decision to live according to the standard of the word of God. There's no bending. There's no breaking. It's, it's adhering wholeheartedly to what, to what the word of God, to what the word of God says. So, so I'm just telling you, especially for young Christians or young people out there, there's no compromise. There's no, there's no, you just, what, what, what does God say? Every, what does the Bible say? Take every thought captive and do what? Bring it, bring it under the obedience to what the word of God says. Bring it obedient to Jesus Christ. So every thought, every word, every picture, everything that you're seeing, everything that you're doing, bring everything under the obedience of the word of God. And let that be your filter, and that's what, you, what it is for you to make your decision. Am I living holy unto God? That's a decision you and I make um, individually uh, unto God, for, unto holiness. And then, then look at Proverbs 6, um, 16 through 19. These six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are repulsive to him. A proud look. The attitude that makes one overestimate oneself and discount others. A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that creates wicked plans. Feet that run swiftly to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies, even half-truths. And one who spreads discord, rumors among brothers. The next thing here when we look at the blueprint for holiness is we have to hate the things God hates. You know, hate, hate is a strong word. It's a strong word. And sometimes Christians might say, well, I, I don't think I should hate anything. God hates. There's things that the Bible says that God hates. So it's time for Christians to start hating the things that God hates. And to start, to start, to start uh, it's time for us to begin to burn with the right, there's a, there's a righteous anger. There's a righteous anger, I believe, that God would have his church burn with for the things that are ungodly in the world that we live in today. That, that, that we would allow that righteous anger to dwell up inside of us and burn with a righteous anger against the sin and the wickedness of the world that you and I live in. To, to, to come apart and to set ourselves apart from those things. To hate immorality and ungodliness. Um, to, to cause us to separate from those things. It's time for reformation in the house of God. God's looking for the church to, to be reformed, to, to they have reformation against sin and ungodliness. Christians who stand up against the evil in our world and say enough. It's like we, we can't just conform to the way and the patterns of the world. The Bible is calling you and I to say, stop. That's enough. 
This, just like the, the Bible, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, we're, we're the stopgap. We're, we're the stopgap. We're pushing back darkness. That's our stand that we take, that we're taking for holiness. We come against homosexuality. We're not going to accept that as normal. That's not normal. That's ungodly. That's wickedness, the Bible says. We're not going to hate the sinner. We're going to hate the sin. And we're not going to be ashamed to say that that is sin. Sex trafficking will be fought against. That's ungodly. Um, evolution and, the, and the, 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 the uh, teaching of evolution in, the, in, the, in, in our schools, we're not going to stand for that. that that's ungodly. It's, it's, it's wicked. Murder will not be tolerated at, at any level in our society. Murder is wrong from the womb all the way to, 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 the, to the senior adults. We're not going to accept that we're going to stand against wickedness. We're going to hate the things that God hates. The Bible says God hates hands that shed innocent blood. He hates that. You and I need to hate the things that God hates. So we need to ask ourselves, do you hate evil and perversion? Are you sickened by the acceptance of immorality in our society? It's got to get to a place where it, where it sickens us, where, where we, we don't want any part of that. That God, I don't want to touch that. I don't want to be contaminated with, with, with those things. God is calling us to live holy and pleasing unto him. In Acts chapter 3, it says, So repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins and, and return to God. Seek his purpose for your life so that your sins may be wiped away, blotted out, completely erased, so that times of refreshing may come from the, from the presence of the Lord, restoring you like a cool wind, on a hot day. And the last thing here that we need, to, we need to look at for the blueprint is repentance. Is repentance. The Bible says um, if, we, if, we're sin, if we sin to confess our sins, that he is, he is what? He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even after salvation, we slip. We mess up. We, we make mistakes. We fall back. The, God is always calling you and I in a constant state of repentance, of turning away. And we can't ever think, well, I've gone too far, I've messed up too much. No, it's never too late to change. It's never too late to turn away from whatever it is that, that, that you're doing and say, you know what, in my life, enough's enough. I'm, I, I, I'm putting my foot down. I'm, I'm taking a stand. I'm going to stand for holiness according to what the Word of God says. I'm going to turn from wickedness. I'm going to turn from, from ungodliness, and I'm going to take a stand. God, I believe, is calling His church He's calling his church back to holiness, God's holiness, not the world's definition, not, not man-made religion's definition, God's definition, separated. We, we are set apart, the Bible says, unto God. What? Pleasing unto God, the Bible says. That's, that's what holiness is, and that's the blessed life. That, that's the life that you and I live. That's where the joy comes from. That's the peace. That's the freedom. That's all the things that we experience in Christ when we make a decision to live our lives set apart unto God. I want to be that person. I, I want to be the standard bearer, the one that God can look at and says, that's my remnant. That, that the, the, let the world do what they, what they need to do. Let religion go the way they need to go. I'm standing for the truth of what the Word of God says. And, and, and as for me and my house, 
we're going to serve the Lord. In other words, there's, there's not going to be any, there's, there's no compromise. There's no compromise. Amen. Well, amen. You can stand to your feet.